Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the first day of May. I am putting out to the universe that May is gonna bring some brighter times for 2020 right like this year we have just been whacked with a stick i don't know if it's the universe or god or whoever if this is like our major wake-up call like come on people let's do better you know i am all about doing better i am your host monica cox from finding fertility i've just realized for the like past month i have forgot to to introduce myself but I think you know who I am you know I am super passionate about everyone like Sarah Clark says waking up to what is going on with infertility and why we are having the fertility issues that we are having I know these are really big steps to take and so we are back again with the free 10 day finding fertility challenge I'm super excited to be running these again. I, I miss them, man. I love connecting with all of you guys during this free 10-day challenge. Let me remind you what you get. If you have not checked it out over on the findingfertility.co website, you get your personal action plan, which I hope all of you have already downloaded. It is the three top things that you can do to get and stay pregnant. That is your action plan. That is what you are going to commit to over the next 10 days. You are going to eliminate at least two top foods and find a mindfulness practice that helps you deal with all the stressors of infertility and life. You get one month free access to the private TTC and beyond forum boards. This is the place to be for the ultimate support and communication and help. Not only with myself, your coach, Monica Cox, guiding you, but like-minded women. It is hard already. We already feel isolated and alone. And when we are you know, ready to make these big commitments to our health and to our future children. We need to be surrounded by other people who feel the same way to stay committed to our ultimate goals. I'm also going to do 10 or 10, two live Q&A and support discussions. This is bringing our community together in one area. It's a live one hour online discussion hosted on Zoom super exciting and um, you really just kind of feel more connected when you see someone you know face to face as much as possible and hear their voice see their expressions and you know bond together you also get support from me obviously you get 10 amazing emails packed full of information and support and obviously the support and on the ttc and beyond um, forum boards and all my experience and all my years of trying to conceive and everything I learned, I hope that every single little mistake that I made can really just benefit you in making your journey a lot shorter than mine was and a lot more joyful. You also get an inspirational meal plan. This is based on what I 
did during my trying to conceive years and to be honest i follow it to this day still this is now a lifestyle for me this um, inspirational meal plan is packed full of links and resources and it has its own shopping list you also get a 10 minute bonus body scan audio um, meditation track um, I love this meditation track. I found this a woman who um, does them online and records like specific ones and I just love it and it is just a joy to have this 10 minute timeout break. Give yourself a body scan and during this 10 day challenge you'll um, either learn or it will be, you know, repeat, repeat, repeat in your head that the way we feel, speak, and think about our bodies have a huge impact. And we really need to put in the time and effort to retrain our brain and, you know, get, get away from those negative thoughts and those negative sayings and put a lot more positive ones into them. And meditation helps... So head over to findingfertility.co backslash 10 day and sign up for the Finding Fertility 10 day challenge. It's going to be super exciting. You will not want to miss out. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode. We are here with another talk show, The Fertility Connection. I'm super excited and let's introduce who we have today. I'm Sarah Clark, so founder of Fab Fertile and host of the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast. We help couples using functional lab testing, make diet and lifestyle changes to improve their chances of getting pregnant naturally. Um, I'm Dr. Emma Brzezinski and I am a therapist and a fertility coach. And I am Devin Baeza, the fertility finance coach. I help women make, save and manifest money for treatment. Thank you ladies for coming along. I am Monica. Um, I am a fertility health coach and I help you get down to the root cause of your infertility. Today we are talking about how infertility can affect all aspects of your life. So I think sometimes when you start trying for a baby, you think it's just sex, right? Sex, 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 this is gonna be great. And then all of a sudden your world kind of starts, you know, coming down on you in all different areas of your life. Um, does anyone have like a very specific area of their life that got impacted pretty hard by their infertility journey? I feel like every every area eventually they all showed up at different times so um, immediately I would say it's somewhat the relationship there's changes in the relationship because I realized that he wasn't going to deal with things the same way I did so I think it kind of brought to light differences in personality and then eventually the finances of course became a huge in the way that affected us that we did, were not expecting. Um, certainly did not ever expect to spend $30,000 on all of that. And another huge one was my spiritual beliefs that sort of um, threw me into like a dark night of the soul is what I would call it. And I ended up having to restructure everything I thought I knew and believed in. Why do you think that was with the religion? Was it like a personal thing or did it come from like the church itself or family? Well, I was raised, my parents were both um, Southern Baptist. Like my grandpa was a Baptist preacher. And so my mom was like this very good preacher's daughter. And uh, she, they, she continued that with us and so did my dad. And so 
that we were just raised with this belief of, um, you know, traditional Christian beliefs. And when we start, I started struggling and looking for answers and looking for support, they were, they were sort of my go-to people, you know, like they must, they're older than me. They must know more than me. Uh, they must have answers. I don't because they just seem so sure. They seem so certain. And, um, I just found it to be lacking. And I found eventually like all of these Bible verses that really did not comfort me. They made me feel terrible. And, uh, it, it was just a different way of looking at the world and why things happen. And essentially what it boils down to is like, why do bad things happen to good people? Not that I'm always a good person, but I just knew so many other people who were freaking terrible people and freaking terrible parents. And it just seems so unjust. I don't know. It just threw my whole worldview out of whack that I just, if you pray hard enough, if you want it enough, if you try hard enough, like that this will magically happen for you. And, um, you know, that's just not the case sometimes. Yeah. I think it, it doesn't even have to be a religious thing either as well, right? Like you hear all these people like, just be happy, just, you know, just have happy thoughts, just think positively. And, you know, sometimes religion does do that. You know, I got raised Catholic and um, it is that like, just have that belief and that's all you need. And then that will sort things out where in reality, you know, the, the belief is strong, but you have to do other things. You have to have the knowledge of other things in your life. It's not all just down to pray really hard and it will happen or think really positively and it will happen. I totally agree. And I would, I'm interested to see because that's one thing people don't talk about very often. Uh, and it, that also felt very lonely. Like when the God you thought you knew has abandoned you and everything you thought you knew turns out not to be true where do you go from there? And your family structure uh, is very dependent upon you believing what they believe mm-hmm. or what, you know, what's wrong with you. So that causes family issues as well. Uh, and all of those things are not things that are regularly talked about with infertility. So I really am interested to hear what Sarah and Emma's experience was with all of that. Yeah. Mine was, was like, as far as the spirituality and religion thing, I always had this just knowing that it was work, it would work out. So I didn't really have any crisis of faith and I'm definitely, I grew up Anglican and by no means an over, overly religious household at all. Um, it's more spiritual, but not even that for me until like I was older. Um, so that, that side of things, there wasn't any huge changing. I change. I just, for me, I just had this knowing that it would work out somehow. And I, and because I, it's almost in times of, this is interesting what, what I do because I saw myself doing it again this week when I was trying to figure something out. I go into like, it is very interesting. <laughs> I, I go into like a fucking, like a, like a, almost like a pit bull or something where I'm like, I attack something and I, I, I want to have a thing where I find out what will work. So if it was not going to be the donor eggs, it was going to be, I was going to adopt. I was going to do all these different things and it didn't really matter how it was going to happen, it was going to happen, uh, you know, because I would have, I'm open, I was open to how it was going to be. I didn't necessarily, I had gone past the point of wanting my own biological children. And, and I see myself doing that, like over, like very persistent, like, like insanely persistent that I almost get off on being, 
get off like researching and finding all this stuff out because I'm like, oh God, that's really weird. Like you tell me no, by fucking God, I'm coming in there. So there, there is obviously I bring in a lot of people like me that are like these pushing like go, go, go. And so there obviously is a piece of surrender and let go. And I'm, if I'm always in this like push, 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 that's exhausting. But that, that putting that little hat on does serve me well to, to research and, and stuff. So that, that piece, kind of my pattern there. But also another pattern for me is the patience piece, which is something I've wrestled with my whole life. I finally come to a point now with the patience, but that impatience impacted all aspects of my life because I felt stuck everywhere. And like I couldn't move for my career because I needed the benefits to, you know, to pay for the, 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 the donor egg. Um, so there was a whole bunch. And then in the relationships, everyone else was moving on, having their children. I, you know, was in there planning and seeing what I could do. So yeah, like that impatience piece has been my pattern. You know, you see it out in the community, especially with the religion, like people either hold on to their faith even stronger or they get super rocked and get a different perspective on the reality of what they thought their kind of faith was, their spirituality was, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know why, you know, what, what, what's that, you know, the difference of why people, some people go left and some people go right. Well, I think, I think it depends on the timeline too, because in the beginning, I would say that, that it pushed me deeper into my own faith. And now I'm praying more and now I'm looking for resources and now I'm looking for answers and it pushes you towards that. But when there isn't comfort found there, or when there are things that you just can't continue to believe in, or say, this just doesn't make sense, or you have um, judgment or ideas about what you should or shouldn't be doing. Religion has a, you know, all of these says, depending on what religion you are, about what, how you should and shouldn't have children, which I, I don't think is right. And so you, it's, you're confronted with these beliefs that are very easy to just agree with as you're going along. But then when it's your life you're talking about, your child you're talking about, it becomes much more personal and it pushes you to analyze them and you either retreat, right? And you just refuse to look at it and you just go with what you know because that's, you're gonna break if you don't have something. Or you say, you know, you let go of it and say maybe there's something else, um, which I wanted to talk to Emma about. No, no, so, cause that, it, that for me, it was that kind of opposite thing. It, it was a kind of reignition really, I guess. And I always call it boot camp for the soul. It really was for me. Because I had I had had a strong evangelical Christian faith, which had kind of had kind of dissipated. Not it wasn't really with me anymore, and then was very much kind of doing doing stuff on my own, <laughs> in my own strength, in my own power, and then came into this situation as I think a lot of people do. You know, you're kind of used to tick that off the list. Yes, I've done that. Worked really hard. Done that. Tick that off, and got to something that I couldn't tick off. That I couldn't do. Couldn't do it in my own power, and and that then brought me back to I need a higher power and I've, I've tapped into the higher power what is going to help me here and I, I remember being on my knees and going I will do anything I will do anything tell me what to do and I just went so then I just explored everything that I could so I and and all those kind of practices I was open to it all and you know I would I 
look, went to the goddess and I did moonlight rituals because from the goddess I did um, uh, Reiki and that kind of energy healing. I did um, shamanic journeying and I did kind of all that stuff and also went to really, I mean, it makes me sound like some kind of religious tart, but I, I, I think, I think it was that thing of like, I was just looking for what the, I knew I had to hand it over in some way and, and kind of call on a higher power. And so I was looking for it all. And I, I went looking for what, 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 what could be in religious traditions. Um, because I also, the other part of that was that I couldn't bear that this thing that I'd always imagined would be a mystical, magical experience when my children or my child were conceived, I couldn't bear that it would be a medical, a medical intervention. I couldn't bear that. It had to be mystical. It had to be a spiritual thing. And so that was the other part of it in terms of, so I, I got people to write me prayers that I wore in a bracelet when I went in for transfer day. I wanted that to be surrounded by love. I wanted it to be a loving place. Um, and I had all sorts of other rituals that I performed around th that to, to make it sacred, I suppose, as well. I so, so I think that, yeah, so I kind of, I think I kind of went the opposite. You know, I'm an overachiever. So I, I had whatever, I had whatever was going. I would have it all. You're going um, all in. All in. So do you think though that if you had never struggled with fertility issues that you would have ever gone searching? I think it's a really good question as I say and I do call it the boot camp for my soul I do I do think it was for me it was I, I don't know that I would have done it certainly made me go searching it certainly made me go searching and it it brought me into contact with something that is now very precious to me that kind of that spiritual part of my life is really really important to me and I'm very thankful for that I mean I know we say that and it sounds like crap doesn't it because when you're going through it you're like mm, I don't want a gift of infertility <laughs> but actually it really it really was an experience that brought me to my knees literally to my knees and but then opened me up to to that whole another level of experience and um yeah so I I am truly grateful for that and I think that I think if you can get to that place which out of desperation I got to, to be grateful for that help <laughs> that was there, for that support that was there, for a, for a community of a, a kind of spiritual um, tradition or, you know, because there were so many texts and, you know, and kind of fertility dolls. I say, I had it all. <laughs> so all those kind of, all those kind of, um, traditions that that tell us that this this has happened to lots of women who have struggled through and um yeah so yes I think I think I'm not sure I'm not sure what else might have happened but this certainly did bring me to a place where I I was yeah I was open to that um I think like infertility can push you either way, right? Like you see couples break up over it. You see couples have a baby and then get divorced after the baby because it's not what they thought. And the journey, the shitty journey that you're on and that we've all been through, if you allow it, if you start taking control of the journey and exploring all these different aspects of faith, you know, your work, your family, your friends, who you are, what kind of person you want to be, um, 
it can change you and bring you places that you probably always deserve to be, but didn't know that either you wanted to be or that you could be, you know, because you have well, those limiting beliefs, yeah. right? Because that was exactly, I did not want to be a passive patient that things happened to and then the baby, I wanted the magic. I absolutely wanted the magic and I was determined that that would happen. And so that, that was part of that journey for me. That is kind of, this will be magical. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyone like, well, for me, for work, I actually ended up quitting work um, because I found that I was, I could never switch off, right? Like that's like an issue I have, right? Like still to this day, like if I'm working and I'm super passionate about it, I give it like 110%. So I found myself running around for 10 hours a day on my feet. I was actually a preschool teacher, ironically, but um, you know, like, and then going home and like doing things for the class the next day. And it was kind of like, if you can't slow down at work, if you can't, hold back at 80% and still do a good job, right? Like you can still be a very good, whatever worker you are, you have to stop. Like if you can't find that line, I mean, especially when you're doing IVF treatment, you're like, I was booking the first appointment at the clinic to be able sure I got to work on time or I would do the late shift, you know, whatever it was, I made it work. But in reality, I was damaging my fertility by overworking and thinking I had to do this. Like, I don't know if people like, um, you know, bring in their, like, I'm not good enough in the fertility world, so I'll be amazing at work, right? But they're not doing themselves any favors because they're overdoing their adrenals or they're not getting sleep or they're stressing out at work, you know, all those different issues. Does anyone else have a like work fertility <laughs> pole divide? I did because of the, the, what you're just talking about, the appointments, needing to take time off and uh, my workplace was this ridiculous, you, like six, six, six sick days a year and it was on the books that that was allowed and so that's what I was using for the appointments. Well, apparently you couldn't use four within six months and so I got written up for it and it like went to up to like, I don't know, vice president or some crap. It was ridiculous. I'm like, this isn't written anywhere. And I was fighting the, them on this. Like, how would you choose when you get sick? How do you equally divvy up your sick days? Like, I'm only going to get one cold every two months. What are you? That's stupid. So I told them that uh, I was going to step down in my position. And it was this whole big back and forth. And so I had an IUI that worked. And I, I had a friend that had been saying, you know, you should go into business for yourself. And we talked about it. And so I was like, yes, if I'm going to be pregnant, I want to have my, make my own hours. I'm going to go into business for myself. And that was the motivation to do it. And then we lost the baby. And so then I was left with, okay, do I go back to this job or do I take what has been brought up for me that this isn't working and they're not working with me and do it anyways for myself instead of for a baby. And that is one of the things that I think can be a gift is that it'll bring to light what's not working for you. And I'll, I coach a lot, I would say 90% of my clients, we end up talking about work. It's very closely related to finances, but also to stress during infertility and bringing up the things you didn't want to deal with, which is maybe you need to leave your job. Maybe you need to take a step in a different direction. Maybe you don't want to work and you want to have a baby because you don't want to work. Like, 
there's so many things that we tie to children when it comes to our careers uh, that it will bring stuff up and it'll just be your time to analyze and look at it and make some big decisions. Yeah, for, for me, it was, I was in HR at the time, so it was an HR department and um, hiding these appointments, but then I had to tell my boss some of the things she went and blabbed it to everybody, just like brutal confidentiality. Um, and then, um, yeah, like you were saying, for me, I just was done with that, that where I was, I just did not like it. And I was like wanting to get pregnant so I can go on mat. I remember my, my friend and I had kids at the same time and we were, we were in the elevator together and we said, if we, either of us come back to this place, shoot, like shoot me in the head. Like just, we were so done with, with where we were and not happy. And I just wanted to take time off to, yeah. And even that, that was a bit of a theme. I, I thought I was happy in my career, but I, I was desperate for my maternity leaves so I could, I could leave and not come back and change what I was doing. Although I didn't change what I was doing until years later. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. And, but yeah, the confidentiality piece of me trying to, you know, slither around and hide the appointments and, and tell some pieces, but not other pieces. And then people knowing my business, I'm like, and I'm an open person, so I don't really care if you know my, my business, but I don't, I don't need you talking about me and that kind of thing. I, I just felt people were having conversations about my situation behind my back. And I'm like, nah, that's I'm so just, ironic to be in HR and be dealing oh, yeah. with all of that. <laughs> so bad. We're like, oh, so horrible. It's like, you see, yeah, it was like a group of like six or seven of us. I'm just like, oh, just, and everyone was, everyone was pregnant. It was a big joke that in the HR department, you sat down in the chair and you drank the water and next thing you know, you were pregnant. Same. No, Out of all my employees, there was, I think, I think it was like 80% of them were pregnant at the same time, which sucked. And they were also, I was the last one to find out. They would all talk amongst themselves and nobody knew how to tell me. And every time it was this excruciating conversation because it's like, you feel bad enough that people know it's embarrassing enough. I felt, sh you know, like sort of shameful. Same. And then now people are treating you like a leper, like, Oh, that, you know, infertility over there, like, we don't, you know, we, we don't really know how to tell you this. And we, nobody wants to say anything to you, but, you know, and you just feel even more ostracized than you did before. For me, I was just completely obsessed with work because <laughs> I loved it. Um, but I knew that something had to give. And so I kind of, I, I think I framed it up for myself in terms of like, this is a dress rehearsal. This is a dress rehearsal because I worked in theatre, so that was, you know. It, but, but this is a dress rehearsal so that if I need to be able to shift this around because this, this is potentially what I'll need to do and this is, will this work for me? Um, and that's how, that's how I kind of had it in my head in terms of because it was not easy to... to make those make the changes and to like you say to make space in my life for something else but it was that thing of like well this is what I want right I want something else in my life so I've got to be able to make space for it and that, so that was a that was a struggle and also I mean it was it was a bigger struggle when I just I'd started a new job I'd had I had part of my old job and part of my new job so that that it was a bit it, no it was really hard actually because it because it's because it was becoming a new person I think that's the thing because it was becoming a new person but actually I tried the, the best I could to welcome that and to see that as a transition 
it, it was a transitional phase. So work did have to change. Um, and it's hard to let go of what, it was hard to let go of what I loved and the work and that when I hadn't got the other thing that I wanted. <laughs> so I had to be in that limbo. And that's why, that's when I told myself, look, this is a dress rehearsal. This is, you're kind of, you're getting ready. You're getting yourself ready. You're launching. Um, yeah. But it's hard to hold that in, it's hard to hold that for a long time. Yeah. Well, and go ahead. Uh, so I think that that's the, what it brings up. And then you have to ask yourself, is that true? So, yes. you know, saying, I, uh, like Sarah was saying about her maternity leave, like I need to get pregnant to to be able to go on maternity leave to leave this place, you know, it brought up, am I really happy here? Is that true? Is that what I have to do? Is that the only way that I can get out of here? Um, you know, or for me, it brought up like these people don't respect me or value me as an employee. They're willing to let me go over petty, you know, differences here. Like, is this the place I want to continue a career? Is it time for me to move on? So those, those, that's what, is great, which I can say because I'm on the other side of it now. I know it was terrible and shitty at the time, but it will bring up whatever isn't working in your life and it will bring it to the light and you have the choice to look at it and say like, what should I do about this? Pretend that the baby's coming. What decisions would I be making yeah. for myself and for my life? Maybe you need to make those anyways. Maybe you should do that now. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's hard when you are a woman who does either love their career or your identity is your work. You know, all the women who burn their bras before us have really like, um, I kind of made it difficult in the sense is that like, we have to give up stuff, right? Like you have to give up time to um, improve your health or go to a clinic. You know, guys don't have that pressure nearly as much as we do. Yes, they have to be there, you know, sometimes, but not nearly as much as we do. And it's kind of like, you feel like infertility once again, robs you from that. Like, so say if you are happy in your job, you're, you're cruising high, you could, if you easily just got pregnant, you just go on maternity leave for a little bit, you come in, you know, you sail, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, no, that's not going to happen. Now you need to choose what you want to do. You know, like there, unfortunately, there is a little bit of a choice, right? Something has to give. Your, your career is going to suffer a little, or your health's going to suffer a little, or you're not going to make those appointments. Um, it's a big whirlwind and yeah, if it comes down to money, like I've had clients who are in shitty jobs, they're not supposed to be there at all. They hate them. I'm like, why do you stay the money? I have to pay for IVF. This is a real, um, a really good paying job. It's like, yeah, well, so then that's a great way to do it. A flip question to the one I just, you know, brought up. So if there was a baby, what decisions would you be making? If there was no baby and you knew that the answer was no and you had, you know, grieved and moved on and you were now living a child-free life, what decisions would you be making? Mm -hmm. You know, so it really, the, the question is, take children out of the equation. What do you need for your life? What is good for you and your, as a person and your soul? And, you know, it doesn't need to be based on children, even though I think that's a natural tendency, uh, you know it's, it's strange because we become sort of these mama bears, you know, the mama instincts kick in as soon as we start trying for a child. And so we're willing to do things for our children that we wouldn't do for ourselves. Uh, but it, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing them for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And 
that goes into, okay, so it ties into money. And then obviously money is a big issue between couples. And so infertility can massively impact your relationship with the one you're trying to have a kid with. Um, I feel really lucky because my husband's kind of like a, like a little mini Yoda person. <laughs> but I know that he had to deal with me, like, right? I was like the psycho of the relationship. And like, I was lucky that he could cope with me. But what's the best advice when your relationship is really, truly struggling because of infertility? I think to get support and to know that, that you know, each person will have differently. Typically women are, you know, getting the Instagram profile and going to Facebook groups and men aren't telling a soul. It's generalizing. But like for me, my husband was like really great support for me. Um, and still obviously still is 23 years of marriage. Um, and like listens to my every word, not all the, not every word, but listens. To, I feel listened to is the, is the, is the, is the point. Um, and, uh, I, I think if that is not the case for you, I was just interviewing someone for my podcast and she talked about, um, and I have my, my, the couples in my program do this as well, really having, having like sitting with someone for 20 minutes and having them vent without trying to fix it. Because typically generalizing, you know, men want to fix, women want to, you know, talk. So having just venting and then the person basically just validating, validating, that's it. Not fixing, not fixing. Which so I do the same thing with my clients, especially with the money conversations and then all of that, the stuff that that brings up. And it's mm -hmm. funny because I, I do that, like I try to practice what I preach. So I'll do that with my husband when I know we are just like, not on the same page so i'll set a timer on my phone but i can i could never do 20 minutes yeah. there is no way i could listen to him talk for 20 minutes and not say anything. <laughs> so like i'll do five minutes at a time and it's excruciating like to not say but that doesn't make any sense or what are you talking about you know that's not what happens like to just sit there for the five minutes and actually listen and let him get through it and then we stop the timer and start my half of it like that it would it can force you to come up with you know some creative ways to improve your communication because you might not have realized that you know it was bad before this because there was there's not nearly as much to argue about and you don't have as much on the line you know when it's just you guys and you're it's relatively young and you can spend money wherever you want and go on trips and you know your life is just it can be about just the two of you 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 go to work and you do your thing you have fun friends whatever like to spend your life savings or to deal with the, you know, the loss of a pregnancy, to deal with the pressure from your families. Like there's, it all of a sudden creates really just a, you know, recipe for disaster in relationships. Yeah. And I think the, the, and the emotions that you're dealing with as they're coming in, I think a lot of times they get stuck and we don't process them and don't let them out. So you could be, you could have one person over there just, just implode. Like everything is just pushing down, pushing down. You know, he's got to be strong. He's got to be the, what, you know, whatever he feels he may have has to do. And then he's still equally hurting as much as you are. He wants to expand the family too. I think there's, there's, you know, more people talking out about, uh, men and how they deal with fertility, but definitely it's more we're more vocal on the the female side of things, and how this impacts your marriage and how it's impacting your intimacy because it's all about baby making and you know that piece that was like why you came together 
has now like it's got all this pressure and so you don't you've you've lost that intimacy and so even like giving each other a back rub or a foot rub or like those sort of things to kind of get back now like for us that we were going right to donor egg so it wasn't even that wasn't an issue for us um but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's even to, to recognize that, yeah, this, it, this is hard on a relationship. And if you see yourself suffering or struggling to reach out to a professional and don't let it slide down a slippery slope. Yeah. It's all about communication at the end of the day, right? Like you got to let them know exactly how you're feeling um, in the kindest way possible. But, um, and to be, I think to be prepared to be surprised as well, because I think that, that, um, you don't know how you're going to, you don't know how you're going to take it. And I think that that's, that's the tricky bit. And yeah, so that, that's when you might need some help to kind of reflect on that in terms of where, where is this come from? I didn't even know that I believed that. I didn't even know that this was what was important to me. I didn't even know that. Um, and so that, that can then be really troubling because if you, if you're, you're renegotiating your own sense of self and then they're renegotiating their own sense of self, it's a yeah, blimey. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's big stuff. It's big stuff. And I think too, when you are putting in the diet or lifestyle or religion changes, what, you know, all those different beliefs you had about yourself, if you're the only one, or maybe say your husband's the only one changing those, that starts to become a big friction, right? Like you all of a sudden don't want to drink at night, or you're only eating a certain way, or you don't want to go to church anymore, you know, those things. And, you know, you came together. I mean, me and my husband's relationship, we've been together almost 20 years. We like, we are not the same people that we met, right? Like we used to get drunk with each other all the time. And now it's like a second thought. We're like, do you want to drink tonight? I don't know. You know, but we're lucky that we moved that way together. You know, if he was resistant to making any of those diet and lifestyle changes that I had to make to become a mom, then we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be here. You know, like it just wouldn't have worked. It it was too much of a struggle to do with him by my side than to do alone, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's why I coach couples in the beginning. It was just, just women and was missing the other equation and really having, having um, both partners a lot of the times when you're doing the coaching, someone will say something and they're like, oh, I didn't even know you felt that way. Mm-hmm. Like you're making assumptions of your own partner. And so this is like just having a, a, a safe place where you can get this off your chest and then you can start moving through it. Yeah, exactly. Anyone have like go head to head with a family member uh, over their infertility? Do they have any struggles? <laughs> Devin's shaking her head viciously. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's go ahead and promise that no one in my family will ever find this episode and I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> you don't have to, you do not have to say the story. Um, just uh, don't feel like you have to. Yes, well, um, you can give I us know, the cliff notes. I don't know how. It takes too much like time to edit myself and too much energy. That's why I don't bother. Like, screw it. Um, I would say it changed every relationship in my life, especially family. It, I um, already knew my family's dysfunction <laughs> because I had been through years of counseling uh, but there is a few you know places I thought were good and it turned out not to be and I think that it it's complicated I think that our families 
you have a decent family and they love you, they, they want this for you too. And they have their own sort of dreams and visions of being a grandparent or what things will look like. And it's hard when people see you hurting and they don't know how to help. And it's mm. hard when you're looking to other people for answers and support and for somebody to get it. And they just can't, they just can't, they cannot yeah. give you the answer. They don't have it. And the yep. same with religion. There's not one religion that's going to tell you one thing that's going to make everything better. Um, you know, and that's a hard, bitter pill to swallow, but it's, it's the truth. Like I realized I was hoping other people could shoulder the burden and take some of it off of me. And it, it just wasn't possible. So there was all of that pressure and uh, it just manifested in some weird ways, especially then when the pregnancy uh, worked, when IVF worked, I, because of the miscarriage, I was really, uh, you know, cautious where I didn't, we don't want to tell people too soon. Um, you know, I, we asked my mom, I remember the lunch at freaking Texas Roadhouse. Okay. I can remember sitting there and telling her, we don't, don't tell anyone until, you know, we get out of the first trimester. And she was really upset. And she wanted to go to an ultrasound appointment. I'm like, mom, we're at the RE's office. This isn't the OB. You're not going to see some cute little baby kicking around. You know, we're going in to check to make sure I haven't had a miscarriage, that there's a heartbeat, that things are still going okay. Like this is an anxious time for us. You know, it's a vaginal ultrasound. I don't have to make small talk with my mom while I have a giant wand up my hoo-ha. Pass. Yeah. No thanks. So she got really upset and she um, said that we were trying to control her by, by not letting her tell people at work. And it, you know, I felt like she had made it, she made it about her. And, uh, it was this disaster of a lunch where she was like crying and leaves the table. And I was just like, what just happened here? And with some of the same religious conversations, but she told me once that, um, God had told her to tell me to be less controlling and that, that he'd give me a baby. And I'm like, I don't really think that that's how God corrects personality flaws or what you view to be a personality flaw. Like this is actually working out pretty well for me to have achieved things in my life. So I'm just going to keep going with it. Thanks. Uh, I, think, you know. <laughs> I think that's not an uncommon story in terms of having to manage other people's and like, like having to hold other people's emotions and, and mm -hmm. hold other people. And that, which is, it's just so, that's, so tough of it because you're trying to just keep your own stuff together but then you're ending up having to teach other people educate other people support other people help other people think about how the, how other people might react. <laughs> but um yeah i don't that, that isn't un uncommon is it but i mean blimey Devin, that's proper <laughs> guys that's the tip that's the tip of the iceberg this would be a long ass <laughs> episode <laughs> Do you I'll find that you <laughs> do you find that you still um like I find that people in my family still didn't don't really know how to process the whole journey, right? They still come out with these comments that you're just sitting there going like, "What? Really? Like you saw my struggle. You you watched me go through all this." Like how and you're right, Emma, is it's it's their perspective and it has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with your story and I think it's because they're family or really close friends that you hold them so dear that they should be 
on your side or even in your train of thought, like your line of, you know, your thought path, right? You're being so honest and open with them and they just, they're never going to get there ever. Well, it's such a vulnerable place to be. I think that we are much more open and exposed than we probably are used to being. Mm -hmm. And it's about a very sensitive subject matter. It's about your, you know, genitals. You're having conversations about your husband's sperm count. You're talking, you know, like it's an inherently uh, private subject matter. And then there's the pressures of like, well, if he was a man, it would have happened by now. Or, you know, people have this, you know, assign like attitudes still towards it. And then they have the, the things that they tell themselves to make themselves feel better mm-hmm. that they then hand over to you. Like it's good, you know, and and honestly, I like you just don't have the energy to pretend. Um, I remember after the miscarriage, uh, when we were pregnant again, my father-in-law saying, I said like the HCG numbers were low or something around that. And he was like, well, then, you know, you just need to make sure and pray, uh, basically pray harder, you know, this, that God's going to allow this baby to be healthy and whatever. And I was like, yeah, I prayed the last time. Like, you know, that was do you see what you do? You hear what you're saying to me that if I, if I just pray harder, like if I, you know, tell Jesus, thank you 501 times instead of 500 that he'll let my baby live. That's really insulting to me at a lot of levels. And this was just some flippant comment in his living room. And he, I'm guaranteed doesn't remember making it, right. you know, but it's something I'll remember forever. Like they just don't, people don't appreciate how sensitive, raw and open you are during this time. And they don't know what to say. And they just, it, they just can't, they just can't say the right things. Let's be honest. They just can't. Yeah. But then that just comes back to you of how you manage that, right? It is the stress is always going to be there. The dumbass comments are always going to be there. Life's BS is always going to be there. And then that's the whole point of being doing this mindfulness stuff is that you can, you know, not let those, you know, all that BS overwhelm you and tackle you and pin you down and make you sad and make you depressed and make you not feel worthy and just realize that what you are doing is you know the best that you can be doing right now and you are you know whatever your situation is putting in the effort to make your dreams come true or you know you are trying and it's yeah. it's really down on you and well it, it, that's exactly it. like you have to be what you need the most what you're looking for in other people is what you're going to have to give yourself. Yeah. Uh, so you, it will teach you some like radical self-reliance yeah. and it will teach you boundaries because if these people just can't get it, God bless them or how they say in the South, you know, like bless their heart. They just don't get it. Well then you, your choice is not for them to get it or not. Your choice is to go over to their house or not. Yeah. Don't yeah. go. Yeah. Spend less time with people who end up pissing you off or triggering you. Spend more time with people who make you feel good or take your mind off of it or get it. You know, like you step into what's best for you in all these areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've uh, kind of summed up that you have control of all these areas in your life that infertility will affect. You know, there is very few of us that it will not at some point 
have a major impact in all these areas. I hope you guys all found that really helpful. Thank you so much for being honest and open about your journeys, ladies. Sometimes I know it's um, a fine line, right? <laughs> but I really appreciate it. And I know that we're helping and supporting other women not feel alone, but we all go through it. So until next time, thank you very much and you have a beautiful weekend. Bye. few more things before you go thank you so much to everyone who entered the contest by leaving a rating and review i greatly appreciate your support this really truly helps other women just like you who are ready to take control of the fertility health i'm going to announce the winner on episode 46 so make sure you listen out for that because when you hear your review I need you to email me because that's the only way I can actually get in contact with you guys. There's no like, hey, you left that review. I can click on that review and like comment back to you. So make sure you turn in to episode 46. Once again, you can find all the links to connect with all of our beautiful women who take part in the Fertility Connection Talk Show down in the show notes. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next week.